Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you think about the great musical roles, what are you casting Scott as? I, I, I'm cracking under the pressure, but I'm getting like Oklahoma or South Pacific or something. Yeah, Oklahoma. I want to hear you sing Some Enchanted Evening. That's what I want. Some when Enchanted find- Evening. I don't know the words. <laughs> when, when you, you see, see, a, see a, stranger. a stranger. This, in case you're wondering, is the sound of Sarah duetting with our guest this week. The man behind a character who would surely love nothing more than a huge green screen Logan to talk to. His pal. His best pal. It's Scott Nicholson, a.k.a. Colin. Colin does jeans and he did the pod. Of course, the first thing I have to ask you this week is, do you want to play Bitey? <laughs> Who do you think would win Bitey? Because to me, it's very clear. I can neither inflict or tolerate pain, so it would be you. And I can inflict and tolerate <laughs> pain. Do you remember when I did my slapping game with my friend Laura? I was thinking about it that. It made me think about the slapping thing. Me too. So over 10 years ago, I went out with my friend Laura and we started drinking. And in a way that was very non-sexual, but very bizarre. Laura was like, have you ever slapped anyone? I was like, I don't think I have. And she's like, slap me. So we got into this thing where we were like slapping each hang other. Hang on, hang on, no, no. She says, slap me. And I'm, and like, I'm not going to slap you. And she says. It's, it's funny and it's kind of exhilarating. Slap me. So was it your understanding that she was a seasoned slapper trying to seduce you into her world? No, it wasn't that at all. So how, how did you approach it? So you start off and you're kind of like. It's like a pat. And you're like, Whoo! see that that is already harder than too I much slap for you. Anybody. And then you try to get a little, a little oh. more aggressive. But we never. What I just did is as aggressive as we ever got. So I could get into a game of bitey, and you would never want to. No likey, no bitey. No likey, no bitey. Uh, shall we start with our brain dumps? Sure. Whoever was directing Logan in that green screen video. I mean, it was lovely to see him again and all that, but it was real amateur hour. Yeah. You don't tell somebody they're doing it wrong when they're doing it wrong. No. You you tell them that there's a problem with the sound or a fly came into shot. Oh, I didn't know that. That's so smart. Of course, that's what you do. And then try and generate the energy another way. Yeah. Many years ago, I used to co-present a breakfast show. My co-host, in the middle of winter, he didn't always love the mornings. None of us did. But sometimes it would be hard for him to muster the energy when the microphone went on. So our producer printed out and laminated funny pictures of animals. And just as the red light was about to go on, he would show them. My co-host would burst out laughing and that would give him the momentum to go on the radio and speak. And there was never a moment when this was happening where you thought he needed to not be in that job. We've all got our stuff. I'm sure I was being manipulated too. All right. I'm sorry to do this, but I have to bring it back to the to the cheveux, you know. <laughs> 
Jerry's hair. What the fuck was going on? You didn't notice it at all. No. Her fucking hair. No. Please, will you will you communicate with us and let me know that you saw fucking Jerry's motherfucking limp, low George Washington ponytail? <laughs> George Washington's coming home. I love her, but that was the limpest pony I've ever seen. It was like they went, sure, she's got some nice hair, but you know what? People have been talking too much about how sexy this woman is. So let's bring her down a couple pegs and knock a fucking George Washington wig on her. (laughs) I hated it. I didn't support it, but you're keeping me guessing. Right, my next one. You know when Roman got the three siblings to hug it out after things got tense with Shiv Mm. and then her assistant walks in? Mm -hmm. If that had been me, it's possible I would have attempted to join in the hug out of awkwardness. Oh, if you were the assistant, you would have offered yes. to join in. Or just just gone in, not even offered. Just, what am I supposed to do here? There's a hug going on. Is it a group hug? It's very hard to join a pre-existing hug. Have you ever joined a pre-existing hug? Sometimes people are beckoning you into a hug, then trying to penetrate it. It's very difficult. <sighs> a beckoning into a hug is very, we're all grieving, come join. Don't you think? Or it's Madonna and her fellow performers before oh. a stage show. Oh my God, thanking God. Big Q, our shoulder pads back. I'm asking because there was just the littlest hint of an accentuated shoulder at the investor reception. Who are we talking about here? Shiv was wearing a sexy booby number, and there was just a little hint of a shoulder pad in that dress. Would it be a good thing or a bad thing in your opinion? Well, I have a very strong shoulder naturally, and once in a while, I'll try on something with a shoulder pad, and it does not work on my frame. So I sort of don't want them to be back, but I also just sort of culturally would respect the return of the shoulder pad. Be nice to have shoulder pads just in case anybody attempted a game of bitey on your shoulder. <laughs> I could bite my own forearm right now. Uh, uh, I'm kind of into it. I get it. I get how, it. How hard did you leave a mark? Not very hard. We were in Hollywood for this episode. I, I did feel it showed sunburn and headache, L.A. And when Roman goes in for his meeting with Joy, like whatever that fucking place was, it was so lifeless. Well, that that was the back lot of a studio, wasn't it? And this is what I was going to say. Do you think anyone can look anything other than silly on the back of one of those golf buggies? Like even if Stalin was on the back of one of those, he would not look like a serious figure. No, you can only look silly. Next. Have you ever had to choose walk-on music for yourself? I do a lot of the time because I'm a stage performer, but no big deal. But do you? I have in the past, and I just get obsessed about it, not being so short that I don't get on stage quick enough and not being so long that I just have to stand there looking uncomfortable while it fades. Do you know what I, I heard recently? One of the best things you can do is walk on stage slowly. Let the people know. But I think in charge. But I think me walking slowly looks like somebody who's had a stroke and they're doing physio do you think that that could change simply by throwing your shoulders back a little bit you're, you're kind of getting into a hunch as you get older what about a jog on stage You've... a jog and a wave waving is very hard mm. just raise a hand oh so you shouldn't move the hand unless you're like you're on so a you bridge like... and someone else is on a boat what's the point <laughs> next i have a question for you mm. who do you think was more disappointed kendall when Roman didn't want to wear the co-pilot's jacket that he'd had made for him, or me when I had matching sweatshirts based on that Icelandic band from Eurovision designed for me, you and our son. How did the song go? 
What's great is I don't think we're flirting with the copyright laws there at all. Do you guys remember that great Eurovision song from 2020? It ended up not happening. Oh, and then did they compete in 2021? But, but the moment, moment, but the gone. moment hit back. God, yeah. it's a brutal biz, I isn't know, it? Isn't it? But they all wore these sort of sweatshirts with these faces on them, and so Jeff got matching sweatshirts made for you and me and Jean, all of which had like a pixelated version of our faces on it. And then I couldn't participate in it. Where's your sense of fun? I don't know. It made me feel too strange. Those pilot jackets were Jeremy Strong's idea. That's interesting. And they were made by someone who'd made a jacket for Elon Musk. God, where do they get all this money from for this fucking show? HBO. Where is HBO getting all its money from? Subscribers. That's so much money. A lot of subscribers. Like, what other HBO showrunners watch Succession and think... I could fucking make that fucking show if they'd give me this much fucking money. Everyone's going on and on about succession, but give me what you give fucking Jesse fucking Armstrong and watch what I can do, motherfuckers. But does it get a very different budget to other shows? I just assume it does because everyone is talking about the budget and everyone's talking about shooting on film, costs it's much, blah, blah, blah. But it's not Game of Thrones money. So you think succession costs less than Game of Thrones? Without a doubt, yeah. Really? Yeah. It's much better. Who was the showrunner of fucking Game of Thrones? It's those two guys. One of them, I think, is from my town. Aha. Uh-huh. Gross. I mean, congratulations on all your success. <laughs> what are you going to do next, assholes? What's coming? What's coming? Rich boys from Highland Park. Jesse's not a rich boy. No. Jesse's a self-made motherfucking bitch. Yeah. Fucking making his shit. Okay. Roman, he's listening to his daddy talk about his dick. The show for me is done. Why do I have to then go through the anxiety of watching Kendall swimming in the fucking sea? Come on, he feels like a number one boy He's so a much. Number that one he boy. Even writes number one in the sand. Try to think of but the, but the tide is going to come and wash it away. I know it's only fleeting. Feeling like the number one boy, Kendall. When will you learn? I wrote myself all these like what do you call it when you write yourself positive things? Oh, affirmations. Yeah, I wrote down. Oh my god, I wrote all these affirmations for myself right before Edinburgh this past year, <laughs> and some of them are like a child wrote them. <laughs> this piece of paper transitioned from some bag that was always in my house to my makeup bag which travels with me a lot. And, you know, some of it was like, you're better than everyone else. You're the best. You're like, it was basically like, you're the number one girl. You're the number one girl. Like, that's not literally what it is, but that's basically what it is. <laughs> and every day that I head into the world and amongst my colleagues and go to shows and pop up to the lavatory to fix my makeup before I do a gig, I'm like, what if someone sees your note in your makeup bag? What if it falls on the floor and it's like... <laughs> Sarah Barron is the number one girl of all the girls in all. Can you imagine? You've got to destroy it. I, well, you I can't destroy it. it. It means something to me. It's all my positive feelings about myself, but I need to like not take it out into the world ever. Anyway, what I want to say about the sea is it's it makes me too anxious watching people swim. Kendall and water tends not to be a good combination. No, I know. So those are our brain dumps. Those are them. What did you notice? I don't know about you, but I feel 100% confident that Kendall has now turned things around <laughs> and we are just on a thrilling upward trajectory <laughs> to the uh, to the end of the series. But maybe you noticed something. Did you notice anything in those film studios? There's a poster for a film called Morons, <laughs> like a, an animated thing. It's funny. And I'm a little bit confused. I don't know if you are on chronology so are we a day after norway or have we skipped forward a few days now well, i thought the whole thing with this season is it's one day after another after another feels a lot though doesn't it where's their jet lag and what about this show 
is not doing a realistic portrayal of jet lag. I'm a sufferer. Succession, you know I love you. But with all this goddamn hyperrealism, where is what jet lag feels like? Or do billionaires like not have to deal with jet lag somehow? Which character do you think seems like they would be most susceptible to it? Connor. Connor's got a real hard time <laughs> with jet lag, right? Um, we want to hear your thoughts, please. Fuck off at firecrutchandnormcore.com. Should we talk about our guest for this episode? We're so excited. Can I, should, can I give any origin story of reaching out to him and talking with him or no? Depends how boring it is. Well, it might be kind of boring, but I slid into his DMs and then finally I get the message. But he wanted to make sure that we were going to... That we weren't going to do a hatchet job. Yeah. So I spoke to him on the phone and he was so different to Colin. Turns out that's a role he's playing on the television. And he's like a New York guy. And he said, I wanted to get some coffee and I knew you were going to call if I went for my coffee. And I was like, how are you, Colin? What if it turned out that Colin in real life just smiles all the time? That's what I feel I found out in my first conversation with Scott Nicholson. Now, that was just he and I chatting mano a nano on the phone. We did a bigger chat that included my husband. Wasn't he sweetie? Yeah. And, and again, like with Arian last week, we just found out loads about what it's like to work on that show and how it's different to other shows. Don't overpromise. Scott Nicholson, a.k.a. Colin, is our guest later. All right, let's jump into the episode then, Living Plus. And I thought we could divide it up into big swings. It's big swing time. Because we see a few people taking them. Not least of all, Roman. He's co-CEO and he's taking some big swings with that axe. Not considered swings, of course. No. But big ones. The first one is Joy Palmer, who is some kind of honcho, perhaps a head one, at Waystar <laughs> Studios. My first thought was, meetings on TV are so much better than meetings in real life. Yeah, they didn't have to fucking do all the small talk bullshit. Well, they did a little bit of the condolences. But none of this, uh, oh, have you come far? Where do you live then? Just get into it, bitches. I've noticed that like, if I'm in a one-on-one with 94% of people for over an hour, there's nothing more to say. Unless I feel like I've made a mission with someone and I'm going to like somehow try to be really dazzling today. But I can only like garner that energy like once every two months. (laughs) I can't find it once every two years. You do okay sometimes. I've tasked you with things where I've been like, come on, this is important to me. Go be good. And you've done okay. I think Joy Palmer could definitely have handled the meeting better. First of all, what we believe in here at the Firecrotch and Normcraft podcast is blaming the women. Um, <laughs> what did she do wrong? But you know what I'm saying. What did she... What happened to your arm, by the way? I had a blood test. Are you kidding me? No. This is from a game of bitey. Jesus Christ, Jeff, I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, I know. It's quite weird, isn't it? Okay. Um, I do think that was more about his sensitivity than her having a terrible tone. When it was sort of her fault, I use this term loosely, was when she laughed at him, when he said, I could fire you. And is he especially sensitive because he's jet lagged? Because <laughs> that's a long way, Norway to the West Coast of America. There's that. His dad is dead. He's unqualified and he knows it. The mats on. Th- I, think, I think the mats on interaction. Didn't help him. He's trying to reclaim some power after being made to feel powerless. I didn't actually read it that way. I read it as he felt criticized and couldn't handle it. And, and that was but an hors d'oeuvre. Do you think there's anything in the idea that the last task Logan gave to Roman was to fire Jerry? Mm-hmm. 
And then that message he left is obviously this unresolved trauma for him. And on some level, he's trying to resolve it by firing her. No, I didn't see it that way. Me either, but just just occurred to me now and I thought, maybe I'm <laughs> maybe, quite brilliant. Maybe I should say, it. no, I, I just thought we saw this guy who is feeling so, you know, his sense of insecurity is so close to the surface that anyone touching upon it in any kind of way is going to be fucked. And that includes Annabeth Gish, great in her role as Joy Palmer, and Jay Smith, Jerry Common. She's supposed to be mom who he wants to fuck. But when Jerry drags him in, mm-hmm. is the erotic thrill of that being chastised by mommy, is that completely gone? He doesn't want real chastisement. That is really your fucking idiot. It's not sexy. It's not oh, you're a dummy, but you're also smart. And I'm going to, it's just, you're irresponsible and you're bad at this. No one likes hearing that they're a weak monarch in a dangerous interregnum. No, they don't. Interregnum, that's a hard one. Does it make you think of the word smegma? It does not. Do you know what the word smegma is? I do. Do you know what I wanted to say about this? Two things. Number one, a question for people. The people who are like really enjoy the Jerry Roman sexual tension How did you feel about this scene? Did you respect succession for kind of following, I think, a somewhat realistic trajectory of where a dynamic like that might lead? Or were you like blue balled? Furthermore, when Roman says, you don't treat me with sufficient respect and that's a problem. I thought he played the anger of that really beautifully. I liked that moment more than his rage at Matson on the Mountain. But had Matson been using the F word willy nilly? So that's, he's, he's, he's very disappointed in Jerry for that. Um, and there's so much of Jerry in that moment when she says, I am good at my job. I know that's so important to Jerry. Did you think when he told Kendall, Kendall was going to have a grown up head on and try and smooth it over? Yes, I did. But Kenny's gone woo woo. Um, finally, on, on Roman, not all of us have access to video editors like Kendall does. Have you thought about getting your dad to record some mean things for when he's no longer with us? My dad has never said anything mean about me, ever. He didn't take my side in an argument in 2004, which I'll never forget. <laughs> and if I do have to like talk to him on the phone when he's dying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like, I still don't forgive you. For when you took my brother's <laughs> side in the argument that we had on our, on our family vacation to Peru in 2004. <laughs> I have not forgiven it. Because I saw my parents' truths in this moment. And both of my parents turned to me and went, what did you do? And there was not a question that this fucking moron boy maybe needs to control his rage a little bit more. Maybe I'm not so terrible. Maybe that your other child has some rage problems. Anyway, I'm going to mention that to my father on his deathbed. Let him know that I've not forgiven him for that. And of course, it'll be uh, the 20th anniversary of that altercation next year. How many hours of therapy do you think you've done between <laughs> now and then? <laughs> do you think it was money well spent? I do think my, my you can make fun of me, but my therapy, well, I'm very self-actualized. All right, let's move on to Shiv's big swing. I, th- I think Matson is Shiv's big swing. And what do you think she's trying to get out of him as she swings? I think whatever this chemistry is, mm. is intriguing to the both of them. Also, she's seen her brothers exclude her and she's looking for somewhere to build her power. Part of what I think is so powerful about watching these interactions between Shiv and Matson is that we don't see her working. Nothing about her around Matson seems desperate. No, it just seems like they've got some kind of thing. Yeah, going. like so sometimes we see too much effort in Shiv, like Pinky can't dance, but she is so in control around him, which is very interesting because 
Roman isn't in control around Matson, but Shiv is, and she's using it to become herself again. Does Matson become any less attractive to you when you think about the state of the soles of his feet? No. In fact, when he walked barefoot across that fucking tarmac, I was like, I would rather lick his feet after he's walked barefoot from one jet and then back to his own jet. <laughs> I would rather lick his feet in that moment. The mine in any moment. Than yours in any moment ever. <laughs> Don't you want to get in there with a the pumice stone? He doesn't fucking need a pumice stone. Think how much dead skin there must be on his feet to be able to withstand that kind of heat. First of all, <laughs> I love pumicing other people's feet and I'd happily pumice his feet. Any succession cast member whose feet you oh, wouldn't pumice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't... I'm not sure I want to be near Carl's feet. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be near Hugo's feet. Yeah. And the day that um, cousin Greg had the benign fungus, <laughs> I don't want to be near those feet. Our feet are telling our truth. <laughs> um, Go on. You know what I found sexy? Matson's dance off the jet. It was like a, a, it was almost a, like a moonwalk. But it, it, was a, it was like a backwards boogie, but with a pointy fingers as well. He pulled it off. You couldn't do that if it was to save your son's life. That's true. If someone says, do that dance with just a little bit of panache as a way of saving your own child, you still couldn't summon the energy. If, if somebody said, I don't know what the most basic dance is, but to do it with a little bit of panache. It's, couldn't it's, do that it's, either. It's, 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 if we were to invite a third into our marriage, a man, and let's just say it was like an enormous Swede, very handsome, and all you were allowed <laughs> to do was like sit in the corner and masturbate, do you think you wouldn't be able to get an erection at all because you'd just be too sad? Or does the body want what the body wants? I, I think it just feels sad. Could he not be the one watching, but from <gasps> the bathroom? The keyhole or through the keyhole, say. yeah. And we, we've seen lots of betrayal in this show and, and lots of brutal emotional behaviour from one human being to another. Do you think we've ever seen anything quite as bad as Shiv FaceTiming with Matson and him not knowing that Tom was in the room? But that was good for her and Tommy, right? Yeah, I know. But in, in that moment, I know that he's a toxic billionaire predator in that moment, I felt really sorry for Matt's son. Did you? That's the worst betrayal, not not telling somebody that somebody else is listening in oh, on the conversation. yeah, 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 that's bad. If you're like, oh, so-and-so's right over here. Yeah, that's pretty annoying. It's, it's also annoying when someone says, oh, you're on speaker and Luke's here as well. No speakerphone. And I, I, I liked watching her kind of get one over on him. I found it quite satisfying. Yes, because she's become almost like a bit of a puppet master. With I Matt's know, on. I know, she's excelling. And how long does that last for, though? I... Because she got him to do that tweet, it went poorly and she had time to delete it. Well, but... Now, she wasn't. She didn't tell him specifically to do that tweet, but it, it was her move, it was her he play. He does what Shiv says. But will that last? I don't know. Does it need to? I feel that all this nicely manoeuvres into Tom's big swing, which is swing for Shiv. A swing for Shiv. And I didn't think it was going to go the way it did, because his opening gambit of sorry felt like a mistake. Like, that's an insulting thing to say to someone. Mm. Sorry. I know I hurt you real bad. That's like a very, very loaded thing to tell a person. And I'm, I'm unconvinced he didn't know what he was doing. Because with Shiv, what we know is what she can't handle in that relationship is him having any power. And the sorry suggests that he's got all the power. I think this episode was the best we've ever seen them. But I mean, I think it's the healthiest their relationship has ever been, actually. Because of the honesty. Mm -hmm. 
Because I think that we saw her needing him in a very, very real way. And we saw her understand the way that she needs him. We saw her be vulnerable with him in a very real way. We saw them sort of put their cards on the table. We saw them connect through honesty instead of being pushed farther apart. So it's like she's capable of being horrendous to him. But until he betrayed her, we didn't know that he could be as shitty to her. And now that we know that, maybe actually now we can start talking. Uh-huh. Because now they're on more even footing. And I thought in different ways we saw that in every scene that they had together. And I just, the laugh that they have at the end, I would love to know if that was improvised or not. It's so great. It's so good. It was so cathartic for them. Do you want to go on that journey so that we could have whatever kind of sex they had? I I don't think it's worth it. No. And we got just a little bit more information on the state Shiv was in at the start of their relationship. Yes, we learned about TK. In Washington. In the Washington situation. TK, Washington. She's a bit young for it to be Ted Kennedy, I think. Are we supposed to be thinking about TKs? No, I, I couldn't help it. But I really struggled to think of famous TKs. And I wonder if that was deliberate. Would you throw out all your necklaces and jewels for a date at a three-star Italian? A three-star Italian is very nice. Because it only goes up to three. That's the highest stars of Italian that you're going to go. But it's not billionaire. It's, it's meal of a lifetime for many people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it's a night at Pizza Express for the Roys. That's right. It's not special enough. Did you know that um, Alexander Skarsgård became a father for the first time at 46? I did not know. I'm amazed he's 46. But his girlfriend, the mother of his child, is 43. When you found out that detail, (laughs) you yourself are 43. Did part of your brain think he he likes 43-year-old ladies? Some of these guys have, like, beautiful wives, but within the realm of, like, being normal. And I sometimes feel if they just have one who's pretty but not insane, I can entertain some kind of, like, fantasy that they would, like, let me blow them. But if they're getting into, like, faces that launch a thousand ships, I have to understand I will never get to. And um, she's not ugly, that's all I'll say. But I did like that she was age-appropriate. Congratulations. So did we just see a reset for Shiv and Tom, then? I thought we saw almost, like, another... I don't know what the word... The the yin to the yang Mm. of the scene that closed episode one of this season, where there's so much pain in that room he's kind of trying to make these moves to say a truth. She is not in a place where she can allow that. But now they fuck. It's good. There's a playfulness in the air and it is allowing in these very uncomfortable truth bombs. But where's Mondale though? Whoa! Where is he? Two words. Dog walker. Yeah. (laughs) Do you think either one of them has ever taken that fucking dog on a walk? Never. And you are an ATN citizen. And you are an ATN citizen. And I am an ATN citizen. Final big swing from the number one boy. You're my you're my number one boy. Oh, R.I.P. Logan. I love the way that we are set up for most of this episode to think that Kendall is about to humiliate himself. It's like when you watch the old silent film footage of uh, magnificent men in the flying machines as they go to take off and then they just plummet. Yes. And we were waiting for it, but it didn't come. At what point did you realise it wasn't coming and it was going to be some kind of triumph? I remember that whenever he makes that joke about, there's some joke he makes about how your family are going to come visit you too much. We'll tell them you're out. 
And I thought, oh, that he sort of landed that. And that's when I thought, what am I seeing? It was going badly. Now is it going well? I don't get it. Is he succeeding? I'll tell you what, it didn't seem to go down badly in the room when he did the double act with Logan on the screen. It was like Paul McCartney at Glastonbury <gasps> with the old footage of John Lennon. Oh, God. I didn't, so we didn't really get to know how it went down because, because we knew they were cutting, cringing yeah. so hard. Yeah. By the way, can I just say, I thought the clouds were okay. What was he picturing? I don't know, but I thought, oh, here he is. There's that sad face. This is where we're going for the rest of the episode. Haunted, tragic, Kendall. Life isn't what he thought it would be. He can't achieve the things that he thought were possible. I saw it in Berlin. <laughs> huh. It's so perfect because we don't need to know what that was. It is the perfect location there. where he, he would have seen that spectacle. And he's like, just get me the thing that's cool. <laughs> don't tell him no. Did you think that he did well? Yes. I, I wouldn't buy tickets to his Edinburgh show. <laughs> But in that world, and it's a it's a weird thing, isn't it? That I'm sure 30, 40 years ago, chief executives giving presentations didn't feel they had to be P.T. Barnum. But that's the way it's gone. I don't know if Steve Jobs is partly to blame for that. And there was a little nod when Kendall says, oh, and one more thing. Oh. That's the Apple thing. Oh, so the, do. oh, and the one more thing is here's the big thing, yeah, everybody. Oh, it's an iPhone. Oh, and one more thing. We've invented an iPod. Oh, yeah. So that that was a nod to that. But I'm sure managing directors and CEOs didn't used to be engaging in all these theatrics. I used to have a boss, and if he ever did a slideshow, it'd go wrong, the clicker wouldn't work, it'd be berating some poor guy from IT who'd be crawling along on all fours, dragging a keyboard and trying to find a cursor. Um, Is there anyone in that room? Where are they watching from? I don't know what to call that. Like a green room? Is it a green room? Is there room? anyone in that green room who is truly rooting for him to do well? No one was rooting for him to do well. But what you saw with Carl, especially, is as soon as there's a sense that that number is going to go up, he's special. I think we all love Carl. I used to like him in Sledgehammer. What was Sledgehammer? It was some slightly comedic detective show, I think, from the late 80s. Was his head that big in the 80s or is it growing as he ages? I don't know. I'm, I'm conflating him with the character Max Headroom, so it's, it's difficult to say. I'll have to Google image him. In an episode like this, do you think that Peter Friedman is annoyed that Carl got the moment. This is an ensemble. It is an ensemble. They are all pleased I for know, each other's victories. But, but that we can all want to be pleased for each other's victories, but deep in our little hearts, we're going, Carl's had these little speeches recently. Is that difficult for Peter Friedman? Or are they just the guys in the robes outside the sauna? Sauna, sauna, sauna. Um, when Kendall gets glassy-eyed looking at Logan mm. up on the screen, mm -hmm. is, is that performance? Yes and no. Is, is it Killer Ken? I think it's showing that he's in flow. He knows that the grief is an asset that he can use mm -hmm. in that moment. And he feels it and it's real. It's, it's a smart performer knowing that there's value in letting it out. When Ken returns victorious and there's the da 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 da, da there's a moment where Roman makes an exit. What do you think he's feeling then? He's feeling like he made the wrong call. And by doing so, he's lost some of his power. Aha. Uh -huh. And because of his big swings with the axe, that will cost him dearly, maybe. And th so and he's then like a little bit happy for his brother, but also he's... I don't no, know you don't think he's even happy for his brother? I don't know that he's happy. And, and Kendall's definitely gloating when he sends him that Logan video. I didn't read that as a gloat. 
What did you read it as then? Like, I'm just fucking with... Uh, this is how we relate to each other. I'm fucking with you. Here's a video of dad telling you your dick is well, dumb. Well, like a, a banterish gloat. A banterish gloat, yeah. He'd, he'd, he'd had that jacket made. It was going to be the two of them up there. Roman bailed, and it's Ken's little I told you so. Okay. Well, that's everything we've managed to extrapolate. Where are you on all this? Are you feeling the, the same as me about Shiv and Matson? Is it more for you than the Jerry Roman thing has ever been? And the Jerry and Roman thing has always been for me. I've loved it, but this is taking me to a whole new level. The dynamic that I am now most interested in seeing in a spinoff. No jokes, just truth. No cleverness. I'm just sharing my feelings. Fucking Sarah Snook and Alexander Skarsgård put these two in a show together by spin-off do you mean porno no i don't even want to watch them i mean i would yeah i want to but we're all just dying for it now right Mm. whatever these jerry roman stanners feel i feel that for shiv and matson oh my god i cannot get enough i only have four episodes left to indulge in it and you are an atn citizen and i am an atn citizen the email address is fuck off at firecrotch people don't like it when you say it i'll go Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. That was a power grab. I know. I thought it might be funny. That's why I did it. <laughs> and coming up next, our guest. I don't want to ruin it for you because you'll hear, but he is charming. He's such a dear. He does jeans. He does the pod. And he does being a big sweetie pie. It's our guest this week, Scott Nicholson. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you went in on Succession... Did yeah. you think this is going to be a similar experience to what I've known in the past? Is it, is it blindsided you, really, the reaction to a peripheral character? Yeah, um, a lot of times I've always played police officers in, in shows. It's always been day player work 
where I, I have one scene. And when I was hired for this, I, I thought, yeah, it's probably going to be the same thing. I was hired for the pilot. They said it may be a recurring role, but I was just happy to have the role and they picked the show up. And then I started getting a little nervous and thinking, wow, maybe this is going to lead somewhere. So even when I shot the pilot, I, I met Brian for the first time, uh, Brian Cox, and we were sitting in Central Park. And uh, I don't think the scene actually got in, but in the, in, the, in the first scene I ever shot, we're walking in Central Park and he's reading newspapers in the scene. It's just kind of establishing that him and Colin have this relationship when they walk in the park that you see in, in so many episodes. And the papers blew off the bench and I, I just did an improv and I grabbed them and I was telling them I was sorry and I was nervous with them. And then after that, I said to Brian, this is off camera. Do you think if this show gets picked up, that maybe I'd be, be coming with you? And Brian just looked at me and said, uh, I think it would be all the same crew, which which I kind of liked that about, you know, Brian kind of made me feel good that if this goes, you're doing a good job. So it kind of put me at ease and, and it's been great with him ever since. And he was always wonderful to me as well. And how common is that? Because uh, again, just from reading about and watching the show, something that seems different to a lot of films or TV is uh, um, a, a lack of a sense of hierarchy. So, for example, I see that video of you all at the rap party and you've got the show creator, you've got this titan of acting in Brian Cox, you've got you. Yeah. And then lots of faces we don't recognise because they're people who work on the show. And and I wonder if that's not, right. not always the case. Oh, de no, definitely not always the case. A lot of times you, when you come on set, especially as a day player, you come on and you don't really know anybody. Most of the time when I've worked, um, I don't even see the director. Uh, on this set, it really is a, a, a wonderful thing where it's very collaborative. Uh, all the actors, all the directors, Mark Mylod is fantastic. Jesse uh, from day one, I was sitting with him. Uh, he was eating lunch with me at the, at the lunch table in the pilot. I don't even think I knew he was the writer when I was sitting having lunch with him. So there is this feeling of, of everybody working together. It's like a family. It's really wonderful. Can you remember what you were both eating? Me, I probably was eating pasta, but I wouldn't tell you what Jesse was eating. I, I have no idea. But I've never asked <laughs> what the craft services are like I on know. the show. I know. Oh, well, how is they're, the catering they're, on they're Succession? pretty good. The catering is pretty good. I wanted to ask you, Scott, when you and Brian are stood there, is there is there a, an area of small talk that you and he tend to navigate toward when you're like waiting to do your scenes? No, I mean, he we just talking chit-chat about his family and he'll be talking about my family and background and we might be talking about an old movie or watching Turner Classic movie or something like that and uh, and then we just go into the scene. In that situation, how quickly can you go from talking about uh, a sandwich to them shouting action and you having to be performing? <laughs> oh, it's pretty it's pretty fast. I mean, it's like instant. I, I, yeah, in instantly, yeah. Even if we're, I'm, we're laughing we drop it. Brian drops it immediately. I, I can drop it. But if he's got me cracking up, I might have to take a second. Even with um, uh, Zoe Winters, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of times when we were working together, I would just be making a face and trying to make her laugh and she'd get all, don't make me laugh. We're trying to, we're just about to do the scene. It, it's it's good fun and uh, we're able to drop it pretty, pretty quickly. We're so comfortable with our characters. Is there anything in particular that sort of watching someone like Brian Cox up close that you have learned as an actor? Um, yeah, I, I would say his patience, that he takes his time. That's what I mean by his patience. He takes his time okay. delivering his lines. And I think I have, over my life, somewhat struggled with that just because I came from a theater background as well. 
Uh, but I haven't had the opportunities as much to tone down my acting. And what was that theater background? Can you sort of put together the pieces for me of your work as a policeman and there's a theater background? Yeah, it is kind of strange, but uh, I always wanted to be an actor. I always, Since I was four years old, somebody asked me, uh, what do you want to do? I, I wanted to be an actor. I, I used to watch um, old movies on TV. I loved uh, Abbott and Costello. Charlie Chaplin movies. I love musicals, West Side Story. And I was the lead in all my plays from even fifth grade through high school. And then I got a scholarship to go to a theater program in, in Adelphi University in Long Island. But my father and my uncles and my brothers were all cops. I'm not saying I wasn't supported, but I listened to my father and he said, you know, you could be an actor, but you know, it's hard to survive. You want to make some money, take the police test. And I thought, you know what? My godfather was a was a police officer and he was in the French Connection. I knew a lot of cops that were using the police department to be actors. And you know what? It was, it, I had fun. It was, it was an adventure and I had to put off acting for like a few years. But uh, then about three years later, I auditioned for a movie called Fresh with Samuel Jackson's in that. And then my second big film was uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance with uh, Samuel L. Jackson again. So I, you know, that was like my first big role where people noticed me in the movie and stuff so is it weird being in audition rooms with loads of other people who look like cops <laughs> yeah you know it is a strange thing there's about five other guys that look exactly like you and it's just it's just like oh great i have no chance of getting this but luckily you do land a job here and there which is nice do you remember the succession audition i do i went in and there were maybe four producers there jesse was in the room and Adam McKay was the director of the pilot. And I'm always nervous as hell, you know. But um, it, it was a good audition. And, I, and Adam McKay just kind of looked at Jesse and, he, and Jesse looked at him and they, they shook their heads like, yeah, you know, he's the guy. That's, so how often is that the case? Because I, I always imagine if you're an actor, you've got no idea really how it's gone down in the room. Yeah, no, I, I usually never know how it went down. And I'm always beating myself up when I leave. But I had a good feeling. I came out and I was calling my wife. I, yeah. I think I might have got, you know. It was wonderful. And, 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 and just to talk on that is when I did the pilot, um, I just have a scene where Sarah and, and Brian Cox, I think they're talking about Greg Hirsch, uh, you know, the, the character. And he says, oh, I like him. I like him. And I just come over and say, hey, listen, we're about to start the softball game. And then later on, we're supposed to give a watch to a, to a young kid. Yes. It was just going to be a quick shot of me walking over to the kid. I wasn't even mic'd, but I did a little bit of an improv where I... I just said, hi, I'm Colin. I work for the Roy family and we'd like to keep this quiet because the character of Roman was kind of treating the kid like a piece of dirt. And I said, want you to sign this NDA. Well, they were very happy with that scene. And then they wired me up and said, say whatever you want. And, and Jesse was happy with it. And that's really, I think, how I stayed on the show initially. It's so interesting, though, that that isn't written because I feel like one of the glimpses you get into this world is that a media mogul billionaire like Logan Roy has a highly competent guy around at all times to mop up mess and 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 make things go away. Right. And that's true. And my dialogue was definitely not in that. But I remember Jesse came over. I think Brian said, I think Colin would go over. And Jesse was like, yeah. And, And that's what's so wonderful about the show is... Jesse and, and, and Mark, they're willing to, to try different things and let somebody improv. And I don't get a lot of that, of course, but that was the one time I did. But, but as far as always having somebody there, yeah. I mean, I've worked 
for high net worth individuals myself during security. And yeah, they do. So have you have you met any real life Collins? Not not that the real life Colin that that would cover up a, a murder or death. Sure, uh, of course. But um, I've worked for a couple billionaires where I've I've done security work for them. Now. It's so interesting as a character because Colin has this very capable air, but also a lot of dignity and you think integrity. But at the same time, you, you, you're right, he's covering up a murder and he's paying off families not to talk about the disgusting behaviour. How would somebody like that justify that to themselves, do you think? I think all the characters in Succession, even though they're pretty much all despicable <laughs> in many ways, uh, but somebody like Colin, I mean... He's loyal to a fault. So I think Colin just feels he's doing his job. So, if, you know, Logan needs me to have this NDA signed. I'm going to have it signed. If I have to cover something up for his kids, he's willing to do that. And I think he, he, he rationalizes that and he justifies that because it's his job. And he goes home and he doesn't feel he's doing anything wrong. He is. I mean, obviously, morally, it's reprehensible, but nobody feels that they're a bad person. If Colin gets home from work and his wife said, uh, how was your day? What did you do? Does he ever tell his his wife? Uh, well, I think I did minor stuff, but not, no, not everything, not the bad stuff. Not when he's right, dealing yeah. with the bad. But, but uh, you know, the funny thing is I didn't even know I had a wife until I got the script for that episode. And I even said to Jesse, we were at a party and uh, I said, uh, I didn't know Colin had a wife. And he goes, uh, neither did I. <laughs> but uh I, I think he was joking of course but um i always played it where colin was more married to the job than anything else but it works and a pair of jeans was the big revelation oh my the pair of jeans yeah well that was yeah i, I think scott would wear cooler jeans than that dad dad jeans you know very funny when do you finally see the assembled episode when when we show the um when you get to see the premiere um, other than that, I never see anything prior. I never see anything prior to really when the same time you, you get to see it, I don't see anything. So how, do, sure. how does Sunday nights go in your house then? When yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, the first, I had to watch it a couple of times. They shoot so much and they cut it all down. So while I'm watching it, I might be thinking, oh, I'm going to be in the next shot and I'm not. So it's, it's a little difficult at first to be in it. I'm more, I'm more in my head and I'm afraid maybe I'm not going to look good when this comes on for my wife and. <laughs> And then I, I watch it again, and I watch it a third time, and I say, okay, you know, it was good. How often are you getting recognized? I started getting recognized at the end of last season. When I did the I Know You piece in the third episode of season three. This, this is with Kendall. Oh, with Kendall. With Kendall. Yes. I, yeah, I think the next day, people were literally screaming out to me on Times Square in 42nd and 8th. I love you, Colin. Hey, Colin. It, it was very weird. But... I don't get recognized that often, but but when I do get recognized, it's pretty funny. Uh, I I was out at uh, at a bar with a friend. Um, I come out of the men's room, and all these younger guys and girls are looking at me, and and the guy looks like he's making fun of me. So I just I did a call, and I was like, "What?" You know, and he just took his cell phone and put it in my face, and it's a picture of me as Colin. And I'm and I just looked at him. I'm like, "That's me!" And then everybody's screaming in the bar. <laughs> So it was really, it was really funny. It was really funny. So it, 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 it's kind of nice, someone like me, because I'm such a small character. And I, I think, yeah, nobody's going to recognize me, but they actually do, you know, which is, which is nice, which is, it makes me feel good. You know, like Brian Cox, uh, everywhere he goes, people want him to shout fuck off <laughs> at them. Uh, do, yeah. do people want you to glare very intensely and say, I know you? 
No, no, but I do. Oh, no. Glare, glare at me. Give, give me. Give me an intense. Oh, my God. You know what's so interesting is you are one of those people, You're because we've only ever seen you as Colin, and Colin's yeah. not a really smiley guy, and your face is transformed when you're just talking naturally because you are so smiley and so sort of warm. Yeah. And I, I, I feel that what I just saw when we asked you to do Colin's face was the quickness with which you could go from small talk to like, because it's just an expression for you. That was so dramatic. Yeah. How different is that being able to go from small? When, when you're working with Jeremy, who is method, is that a very different yeah. thing? You don't do the small talk. Do you, do you have to be no, in his no, world? No, when I, well, I respect Jeremy very much. Jeremy likes to stay in character. I don't know if he always does it with me, but he kind of looks at me when he, we walk and pass each other on set, almost with that fear. And I glare back at him and I try oh. not to say much to him. And then I hug him later and I said, Jeremy, I get what you're doing. I get it. I, you know, and he's like, thank you, thank you. So, you know, a, a lot of times, especially when we did that, I know you right before that, I was just walking past him uh, on the set and we were in, we were in the, the Royco offices and I just stared at him as I walked by him. And I, I think that fuels him, obviously. And I, I get something out of it, too. So I, I, Colin, I I'm getting something it. out of it, too. Uh, ladies of a certain age enjoying Colin in particular, I wonder. Oh, me. Yeah. Oh, uh, I thought you were talking to your wife. Uh, no, <laughs> um, he's uh, telling you, and we're asking if you also know that ladies no, of I don't, a certain I don't age know, are all no. about Colin. Oh, okay. Is, is oh, okay. Fan, fan mail, does that happen? <laughs> I get uh, on Instagram, um, they put like hearts and fire signs, or I don't know what half of the stuff means. That's oh, yeah. A, that's <laughs> is a lot. It? No eggplants. No eggplants. <laughs> no eggplants. No. Okay, so we've done, you know, we've done a little bit of our research before talking to you today. So yeah. I get the impression that you you enjoy a bit of a hike. Where are you getting this information? Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> so if you're if you're on location with the cast of succession and you're going yeah. on a hike, who's yeah. going with you? Oh, I mean, uh Zoe Winters has come with me. When we were in Italy, uh Zoe came with J. Smith Cameron, might want to go for a walk. Brian started going on a hike one day, but it was a hot day. We, we stopped that. Uh, Sarah Snook, she's amazing. She loves adventures. I went on a hike in Scotland with Sarah and some of the prop people and some of the camera people as well. It's really everybody. We kind of all do it. When you were talking about like when you were a schoolboy, you were really into your plays. Do you remember any of the roles that you did? When you oh, first yeah. started out? I was um, the Artful Dodger in Oliver. I, so how's your Cockney mostly, accent then? It's not that good, so I'm not going to try. Uh, but um, what else? I was in uh, the Pajama Game. I was uh, Don Miguel de Cervantes in uh, Man of La Mancha. I mean, uh, I know you're not going to do it, but I'd love for you to sing us a tune, Scott. Just a little tune. I am my Don Quixote, the <laughs> Lord of La Mancha. My destiny calls and I go. How's that? <laughs> I mean, what is Broadway calling? Is Broadway's yeah. calling is so a amazing. record deal? Is it like you're like, oh yeah, I've done some films. <laughs> I did this, and I was like, wait, 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 hold, go back because it sounds like you sing. You're a song and dance man as well, and and I just well, I was yeah, well, I was I was so a singer. I mean, I, I was in Kismet, but this this is all when I was in high school. But listen I, to I me, do, yeah, yeah, those pipes <laughs> are in shape. You got heat around you. You go to that agent. You say, get me on a stage. Where's my song and dance role? As someone who's a... Like, you, you said you grew up on all that classic comedy, like Abbott and Costello, Chaplin. Oh, yeah. Because Succession is as funny as any sitcom. Have you had... Yeah. Been, I'm trying to think. Has there been any... Op- 
opportunity for you to uh, to 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 use that muscle as Colin. Uh yeah, I guess it was episode four of the third season. We improv the cat, the cat scene where oh, yeah. oh when Logan goes piss cat. mad. Yeah, so I so that was actually one of my favorite times on the set because I was able to really play with all the cast. It was just fun to to improv with Brian, and Brian said, you know, a lot of this won't be in there, but it was just great to be able to play. Colin a little bit different where he's willing to do this crazy zany thing. I remember after the fact, I think I was talking to uh, Nick Braun. He's like, oh, that was great. You know, that was great seeing that, you know. And I said, yeah, I love doing it. But um, is that off character for Colin? But then I started thinking, no, you know what? He's going to do what what's needed to, to, to help Logan out. And it, it, I think it came out great. You know, it so really I was happy with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. great. And so moving because he mentions Rose. Yeah. Well, it's, it's been so interesting talking to you and I've enjoyed the conversation so much. I don't know if this is weird, but there's, there's something I want to say to you. <gasps> yeah. I'm excited. What is it? <laughs> You're my pal. <laughs> You're my pal. You're my best pal, though. <laughs> okay, now, come, uh, now, I, now Scott, I'm going to do scene. it. I love that scene. I'm going to do it and then you decide yeah. who wins, but there's no, like, okay. One of us has, uh, has uh, a university education in drama. The what? other one has no formal training in acting yeah <laughs> okay you're my pal you're my best pal thank you, <laughs> Who do you think i go with sarah i go with sarah okay, of course of course where's your degree from uh new york university baby oh, there. Wow. i was in new york from 97 to 2012 oh wow did you live in new york at all or have you been have you sort of like were your kids raised upstate were no they my kids were, i have two i have two uh, beautiful daughters um they grew up, up upstate, um, but I was always in the city working. I, I worked in the yeah. citywide unit in the police department. So, yeah, I was always there. Well, and also, our, our, I was very well behaved, so our paths would never have crossed. <laughs> the, the, the the story is a great one. What what Succession has done for your life. I know your uh, daughter posted, I think, quite a moving TikTok video oh, yeah. about it the the other week. My daughters, my, my daughters are both... In the business somewhat. The daughter who posted the TikTok video, she's a singer-songwriter in Nashville. And she said, oh, let's put a TikTok together. And I was like, oh, I don't do TikTok. But I did it for her. And it's, it's, it's funny. It's gone viral. So it's, it's kind of interesting. And my other daughter is an opera singer. She's really very, very talented. I'm not just saying that because I'm her father. It just it's, They're both very good, but it's a hard business, you know? I've, I've got the idea for the next TikTok video. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's you and your daughter doing uh, Frank and Nancy Sinatra something stupid. <laughs> That's good, Jeff. He doesn't well, even mean, take uh, a commission for that, Scott. You can just yeah, have that one. No. Okay, good, good. Um, well, you we guys should, should be my managers, man. I need you guys as my managers or, or my agent or one or the other. There's heat around you. And this is what these people are paid to do is take that heat. And so they should be yeah. doing something worthy of your talent. That's my final instruction. Okay, good. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. It was Oh, thank you very really... much. I hope I didn't ruin it, as I say. I hope it wasn't terrible. Wasn't he fantastic? What a dreamboat. I don't want to go on a hike with him. Oh, I do want to go on a hike with him. He seems to like a hike in a hot climate, which I do, do not enjoy. You could wear a, a wide-brimmed hat and a lot of sunscreen. Well, I think Keep so. a water bottle with you. One no. of those like camel ones where no. you put wa- water and you suck on a little thing uh, that comes under your armpit. What is that? There's a, a little tube comes out of the backpack that's like in a water bottle. You just slurp on this little... Wa- you don't know what I'm talking about. Is, is it a bit like one of those hats which has a beer can on either side and then a straw coming down? No, that's for someone like my brother. And what I'm describing <laughs> is like actually a good idea for a hiker. 
Wow. I'd, I'd go with Scott on a hike if I could go on a mule. Yes. So if he could lead you on a mule while he hiked. If he'd piggyback me like Luke Skywalker <laughs> carrying Yoda. Yeah, then you could do then it. Then I'd do it, yeah. I bet he's quite strong. Oh, undoubtedly. I bet he can lift his wife, which is more than I can say for some people. But his wife probably doesn't have my bone density. Are you at the ready with your favourite lines and turns of phrase from this week's episode? And you are an ATN citizen. And I am an ATN citizen. Ready to go. Don't criticize my jet interior. It hurts. Nobody minds a genius acting weird. Don't get mud on my confirmation dress. You're scheduling your grief? Operation Fruit Loop. Who wants to fuck? I'm ready to fuck. Hooray for fuckyhood. I have all the condolences I need. Tummy full. Mmm. Here's the rule. No one can say no. Thank you, Kendall, for the cool new rule. The vaginas of cheerful women who aren't tall enough to be models. You didn't have a taste of the dark meat before you met me. Dear Jesse, you didn't have a taste of the dark meat before you met <laughs> me. Stand easy there, pitch bot. A weak monarch in a dangerous interregnum. Grumble quote, grumble quote, caveat. A date at a three-star Italian. Well, I'd follow you anywhere for love, Tom Wamsgans. You may have my dick in your hand, but I have yours in mind. Great job, Carl. I can hear how wet you are. It's gross. We might need to strategize. All right, we'll be back on Friday with Friday Sprinkles, providing, that is, you keep us drunk on content. The email address is... Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. Some questions you might want to think about. Will Greg be cast as the voice of the robot in Calispatron hibernation? Uh, would you rather be loaded onto a chip and fired up someone's ass, live as a gas, or live in a tortoise? Let us know. And uh, how, how would a person go about getting bitey, recognised as an Olympic sport? Oh, I don't know, but on Twitter, it's making the rounds of a photograph of them um, rehearsing bitey that Georgia Pritchett tweeted. It's really fun. Do you want to close this whole shebang by saying how excited you are about the final four episodes and Friday Sprinkles? I am so excited about the final four episodes. Um, c- could, you, could you maybe sound more excited when you say the word excited? Stop buzzing around me. Fuck off. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.